Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Hey, I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. As nuns said, as Z said, uh, put your seatbelts on. Finally, somebody say finally. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of the wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand... Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shud your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful of this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mysteries of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak hey on this first Sunday of 2024 I want to speak to you from this subject or this idea, the art of spiritual warfare, the art of spiritual warfare. And this is part one. I can't promise you how many parts it's going to be, um, but I will say this. I had an entire series uh, kind of planned um, that was a little bit different in this, but there was a pivot in my heart um, as I started to see and I started to have conversations and there's so many different issues and things that are happening, um, not only in the body of Jesus, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the body of greater church, but in the body of Jesus as a whole. Um, even looking down the landscape as to what November looks like and uh, noticing that our nation um, is about to head into a season of just pure division. I'm watching things unfold and God began to stir something in my heart. Today, um, basically this message is I'm turning on some lights. Hopefully you will receive it with a pure heart but I know that you're going to walk out of here with strength, encouragement, with joy, and with some authority. So would you join me today in prayer? Um, Father, we love you. Lord, I thank you for everything that you've done so far. We thank you for the 930 service, Lord, and the message that was preached, the people that gave their lives and their hearts to you, Lord. We're so grateful. Um, we're grateful, but we're not satisfied. Father, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, number one, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that I would be able to speak boldly, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord God, that it's not an eloquence of words, Lord God, or in well-put-together themes, but Father, I pray that your spirit, Lord God, would be present in this place and engaged. That hearts would be open, Lord God. Father, we rebuke the enemy, Lord God, any distraction. We pray, Father, that you would confuse the enemy, that there would be no distractions, no discouragement, that we would be able to hear directly from your throne, Lord God. Father, I believe in the importance of this message. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would do the work that only you can do, Lord Jesus. Use my words, John 3.30. Let me decrease that you may increase. Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord God. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Come on, would you put your hands together one more time for Jesus? I'm going to sit down, so you know that's trouble when I sit down. Uh, my wife, uh, is she in here? Oh, I could talk bad about her again. My wife... Uh, 
is a is a kind soul. My wife has she has such a, a motherly spirit to her. She's one of those people that like you come to her and she has the best advice. Um, she's gentle in her answers. Um, it, it feels like you look at her and you're like, yo, that girl has never sinned a day in her life. Um, I mean, she's just she just has this thing about her that you just feel like, man, I want to hug you or I want to tell you that I just want to kill my husband. You know what I mean? It's like she lives in that. And uh, man, anybody love Lydia in this place? Anybody love Pastor Lid? We love you, babe. She's amazing. I know a side of her that you don't. <laughs> she sinned before. No, um, <laughs> my wife, uh, we used to have a nickname for her when we were in, in Bible college. It used to, it, her, name, her name was 26 Cents. When you talk to her, when you talk to her, tell her, hey, tell me about 26 cents. She's going to get sick. What? Okay. She, it's, uh, she had a moment. And so 26 cents comes out of her every now and then. Uh, a few years ago, man, it's three, four years ago now, uh, we were doing an outreach um, where we were going down to Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, we rented a box truck, a 27-foot box truck. And because of your generosity, Greater, um, we were able to give uh, 12 pallets of food, drinks, and water. It was crazy. On the way to get the box truck. My wife, the day before, she goes online and she, you know, uh, reserves the box truck at Home Depot and did all the stuff and she got her confirmation code, all of that. Well, we walk into Home Depot and when we walk into Home Depot, I'm carrying Abby. And so as Lid kind of walks up, you know, I'm the man. I'm like, hey, sir, how you doing? I'm like, yeah, we got a, we rented a box truck. You know, we're here for the pickup. We signed up online. And he goes, oh, uh, yeah. I heard those words and I was like, hold on, bro. This isn't seamless. And I was, and he's like, we don't have it. Um, we don't have the box truck. And so unfortunately, you know, we can't help you with that. All of our box trucks are gone. And then my wife steps in and I saw 26 cent kind of pop up. She's like, excuse me. But we reserved online and I got a confirmation. And he's like, ma'am, I'm sorry. We just, we don't have the box truck. At that moment, I saw 26 cents. It was like about to turn. And I said, I'm 52 cents. So I was like, you know what? Let me, let me grab the situation. I said, you know what, sir? I just, I thank you so much. I'm like, maybe might be church folk around here. They're going to see us act real secular. Let's just leave. And I'm like, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. And I grabbed my wife. She's like, no, but hold on. And you know, I'm like, no, babe, come on, let's go. I was like, we're fine. Listen, we, we I already see where this is going. We, we can go somewhere else and go find a truck. We sit in the car. And when we sit in the car, in the car my wife is just like, hold up. How come, <laughs> you know, that's where it starts. Hold on. How come he didn't ask us our name? He didn't, he didn't know what box truck we wanted. He didn't know the size of it. He didn't know any of that stuff. And then I was like, you're right. I don't know why I added few. I should have stopped it. But I was like, you're right, babe. That dude didn't even ask us our name. Didn't even know who we were. You know what? Babe, let's go back in there. <laughs> At this point... <laughs> I grab my wife and we, uh, we, start to, we start to walk inside. I'm holding Abby now. And then I remember that I just came in. And I'm like, hey, sir, um, just kind of wanted to ask you because you never asked us our name. Uh, you just kind of took it for granted and just told us that we didn't have the truck. I, I want to know a little bit more about that. And then he was like, oh, no, sir, I, you, you registered on the Lydia Cheveria and you wanted the 27-foot box truck. I, we just, we, we, somebody else, we, we had it. Somebody else came in. They grabbed it. We already re, re, double booked it and we apologized. And I was just like, well, I'm glad you know our name. And y'all need to do better. I'm going to leave a review. <laughs> and so I'm walking and I'm like, babe, this is stupid. Let's just go to Lowe's. It's better anyway. It's not. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Some of y'all, it's division in the church. And I'm walking away. <laughs> 
I'm walking away, and then when I walk away, I turn back around, and all I see, you know, if a woman starts doing this here, yes. it's a problem. And I just see 26 cents, and she's like, and you, I, and she does all of this stuff, and I just was holding Abby, and I just stood over by the power tools, you know what I mean? Because a man. <laughs> And I just stood over there with Abby. I'm just like, oh, dang. <laughs> if she jumps across there, I'm not going to be able to grab her before she hits him. But afterwards, I'll be able to pull her off. And so I'm sitting there watching. Fifteen minutes later, I'm inside of a 27-foot box truck. Fifteen minutes. I'm sitting in the truck and I'm like, bro, I don't know what happened. He called the transformer and built that junk. I don't know what happened. I'm like, my wife put the fear of God in that dude. I saw the little hand and now I'm like, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, well, praise God for 26 cents. <laughs> what I, what I, the reason why I wanted to paint this is because I wanted to show you a picture of what the church of Jesus Christ looks like. The bride of Jesus, she's tender and she's warm and she's gracious and she has so much love in her heart. But the bride of Jesus is a fighter. And unfortunately, I'm not going to say for everybody, but I do feel like we're in danger of it slowly slipping where the church of Jesus has lost its grit in exchange for quit. I don't think we really know where we come from. We were at the forefront of everything. The church in the United States of America and in the world globally was always at the forefront of social justice, the, the church, do you know that the church of Jesus was the one that began Princeton and Yale and Harvard and all these prestigious universities? Do you know that the church was the one that started them, that they originally started as Bible universities and Bible colleges? Do you know that the church of Jesus is the number one? Do you know who the number one philanthropist, meaning the person who gives the most money, you know who the number one person is in the world accumulated together? It's the church of Jesus Christ. Nobody has given more money to feed homeless, to be able to house individuals, counseling, marriage counseling, drug rehabilitation, to go across the world and be able to provide food for different individuals. The church of Jesus has always been at the forefront of so many things. I mean, we have been strong and powerful and united. We have discovered. I went online, and I challenge you to do this. Go online and Google top Christian scientists in the world. You will see things. The beginning of science itself was created by God. But you will begin to see things that are going to blow your mind. I'll show you a couple of things that I saw that I thought was really, really cool. Do you know, uh, do you know, you probably won't know these names, um, but when I tell you the story, you'll know exactly the names. Charles Lawson, Frederick Augustus Washington Bailey, and William Lloyd Garrison. These three individuals are men of God that love Jesus and that preach Jesus up until the day that they passed away. Frederick Augustus Washington Bailey, at the age of 13 years old, he got saved because of a Methodist preacher's preaching. He got radically converted, gave his life to the Lord, and then he was baptized, he was discipled by Charles Lawson. Charles Lawson began to speak into his life and begin to tell him about the great things that he would do for God. Although Frederick Augustus Washington Bailey was a slave at the time, for this was the 1800s. This young man 
went on to do some incredible feats. He started to preach even when he was a slave and started to free people who were in slavery in their souls and leading them to Jesus. Him and his wife, they escaped from slavery in the 1800s, late 1800s, and do you, he changed his name. You know what he changed his name to? Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass, if you Google, if you research, if you read a book, is the father of the abolitionist movement. He went around from church to church preaching Jesus, telling people, if you're a Christian, there's no way that you can harm your neighbor. He went around preaching the gospel alongside of William Lloyd Garrison. All three of them were men of God that started to tomorrow. Um, next Sunday, we're celebrating MLK Day, Martin Luther King Day. Martin Luther King was a Baptist preacher right down the road here at Ebenezer. Preached Jesus everywhere that he went. The church has always been at the forefront of change, of dynamic change. I mean, the church has always been the strongest unit that has ever existed in the Old Testament. They fought wars. They took land. They shed blood. They did incredible feats for God. In the New Testament, you started to watch as they started to watch dead bodies come back to life. People with blinded eyes were healed. Families were restored. People were called to ministry and gave even up to the point of their own life. This is what you're a part of. You're a part of something that's so much bigger than just what we watch now. You're, you're a Joshua generation where he went in and took the land and then fought multiple wars to be able to establish his people. Peter, who went in and once Jesus had left, healed people, preached the gospel, was in prison, got lashes on his back. But this man was just so powerful and so filled with strength. And actually the church that we live in right now, our relationships that we have, so much diversity that's in the church is because they actually started to grab Gentiles and the Jews together. And we started to watch what we see now is the church. Man, the church has done some incredible exploits. But I feel like we went from a Joshua generation, Lisa, to a Karen generation. Now we complain about everything. We'll cancel and quit somebody faster than you can blink. We'll rebuke you in a heartbeat. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I cancel that in the name of Jesus. I feel like we, our grit has turned into quit. Some of us, we've been in six different churches and haven't lifted a finger because the pastor didn't let us share a testimony on stage. Let me sit up, on, let me sit up right. I'm sorry. Let me sit up right. Let me sit up right. You, you hated everything, those six churches, but you haven't led somebody to Jesus in years. In your whole life, probably. But... There is, there's something, and I'm not being facetious. I want to show you something. I'm not laughing at you, laughing with you. But, but I want you to see something because there's something about the, gener the generation previous to us. I'm telling you that even this message and this series was birthed out of sitting there and watching and seeing that, yo, the plight that we find ourselves in as Christians is astronomical. The church was at the forefront of so much power and innovation, and now we're laughing stock. In certain cases, we're constantly fighting against each other. People are running to extracurricular means instead of running to Jesus. And it breaks my heart to see it because there used to be a time where women would stay up till four or five o'clock in the morning praying for that husband and believing that God was going to rescue him and get him off of drugs and alcohol and believe for him until he walked and stumbled his behind back inside that door and then watched that man as he became a preacher and God started to change his life. People who prayed, their sons who were addicted to drugs and watched them walk into the door because of their prayers weighing 100 pounds less, filled with diseases inside of them and broken because drugs have to ravage them, but watched as they got on their knees and they never stopped. They actually believed this Bible. They actually believed that when the diagnosis came of cancer, 
answer. They didn't sit there and start to wonder and make plans of a funeral. They started to say, well, Father, right now, here's where you become Jehovah Rapha. Here's where you begin to heal. Here's because they didn't accept the diagnosis. They began to speak in power and authority. I feel like we lost that. I feel like we lost that. And I'm not saying everybody because, man, I know there's some prayer warriors in this church. And I have conversations and I know I ask y'all to pray for me. But for a certain extent, the church of Jesus has kind of slipped a little bit. Yeah. Opposition is always known to create opportunities if you allow for it. If you don't run, if you don't quit, if you don't give up, but if you actually persevere and push strong, but you got to fight. The problem is just a precursor to your promise. God is literally on the other side of your promise, on the, on the other side of your problem. That your future, the things that God wants to do, you, you got to walk through the fight to be able to get to your future. If you don't believe me, oh, that's super nice. I like it. Cliche sayings, Chino. That's churchy stuff. Cool. Ask a doctor how much they had to fight to get to their promise. Ask a lawyer how much they had to. While everybody was us hanging out, they were sitting there studying. Ask a nurse. Ask so many of the individuals who have prominent careers in this place how much work they had to put in when they couldn't do what everybody else did because they understood, I got to fight for my promise. Hopefully, what I'm trying to spur y'all onto is I want you to fight. I want you to understand that you're in the middle of a fight. It's called spiritual warfare. Paul understood it. Paul said, finally, finally, I've taught you about obedience. I've taught you about family and how to raise your children. I've taught you about servant leadership. I taught you about all these things in every chapter, five chapters before here. But now I'm saying, finally, I want to bring all this together. I'm going to culminate all this. Be strong. Be strong. This is not a request. This is not a, a wise saying. This is a command. Be strong. And sadly... The church has been the proponent sometimes. And I don't speak ill of the church. I am the church because I've done this too. And I apologize and I take responsibility for it. But we've been so responsible of telling you to cast it away and to bind that up and to cancel that and, and don't accept it. And any opposition that comes, we, we rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And when our entire faith is based on a man that was falsely accused that was lied on, that was punched, spit, body broken, whipped, pinned up on a cross, eventually killed. While he was on the cross, he was preaching forgiveness. Yeah. He was preaching reconciliation. He was preaching adoption. While he was on the cross, he was speaking redemption over people, forgiveness over people. While he was being beaten, and bruised, he was still speaking life. The strength of God is not shown in how much you can cast away. The strength of God is shown in how much you can endure. And for us as Christians, we have to get a little bit of grit back in us and understand that if Jesus suffered that, and he told us in the Bible, Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 27, it says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it of a man he gained the whole world and loses his soul? 
Or what will he give man, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in all the glory of his Father and his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. This is a hard preaching. And Nancy told y'all, she gave y'all a, a whole thing. Y'all should have been prepared or you should have went to use the bathroom and went home. But y'all gonna get this work today. <laughs> this is who we are. As Christians, we gotta learn how to endure. There has to be some grit inside of us. Oh, I don't like that, Chino. Jesus endured. Stephen smiled as he was being stoned. Yeah. 12 of the disciples, 11 of them, were martyred, were killed. Even, even Judas who betrayed Jesus, he died believing Jesus. But all of them were cut in half. They were whipped. They were boiled in oil. I mean, the things that they experienced and not one of them ever said, I don't know this Jesus. They didn't quit. They didn't give out. They didn't cancel it. They didn't cut up. They stopped and they said, you know what, God? As the three Hebrew boys said, they said, God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow before you. You could throw us in a fire. You can lie about us. You can take our jobs. You can hurt us. But we're going to stand our ground and we're going to believe who Jesus is. When we look at scripture, these ideas, right? And I remember, y'all remember testimony time at church? Yes. Remember back in the days? We stopped testing because it got weird. Yes. It got weird. Sister such and such, you should come up here. Brothers and sisters, stop. It, it got weird. But could you imagine if this generation dies and sits there with Peter, Paul, and they're like, yo, how did you die? McDonald's kicked my butt, bro. <laughs> stop, Chino. I want to show you something because, no, no, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not laughing. I'm, I'm sorry. I want you to understand this because... What's real in the physical in the Old Testament has always been real for us in the spiritual in the New Testament, right? But watch this. The enemy and all over the world, there's still people that are being killed for their faith today. There's still individuals that are being hung from a tree by their neck today. There's still individuals that are being pinned up on a cross and that cross is turned on fire. There's still people who their whole children have been, their whole children and their family have been eradicated because of what they believe and because they would not renounce what they believed. And so that's still happening. But in the United States of America today, and even in some parts of the country, you're still being attacked in the same way. You might not get physically hurt the way that they are. Our brothers and sisters are being hurt. And John Ramonde, he did an incredible job of leading a G group last, last season where he talked about Jesus freaks. And we learned about martyrs that are losing their life all over the world today, 2024. You might not be going through martyrdom, but you're still being attacked in the very same way. You just don't even know it. There's a term that is used. 2 Thessalonians is one of the scriptures, uh, chapters of the Bible that talks about the second coming of Jesus. And it kind of paints this picture of what it's going to look like in the end time when Jesus returns. And one of the things that he does is that he uses this term, the mystery of iniquity or the mystery of lawlessness. I want to show it to you. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. It says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out the way. And that's the devil. I'll, I'll talk more about that in a second. But the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Do you know that this is an end time prophecy that's being fulfilled even now? Yes. The mystery of lawlessness. Here's what it is. Is that there's a mystery to lawlessness, to iniquity, where Satan is attacking you 
But what he's doing is that you don't even see his hand in it. And he's doing things to you where you can't even recognize that it's Satan. And he's no longer just killing you and putting you up on a cross and, and murdering you for your faith. He's murdering you and you don't even know what's happening. You don't even know what's going on. In fact, the other day I was scrolling through social media of the which I will fast because I'm on my 21 day fast. But I was, I, was, I was scrolling through social media and I saw a video that clearly articulates this point better than I can tell you. I want you to check this out because this is what's happening to us right now. And we have no clue. Look at, he's munching on a little bread. Us young people, when we beat you at something, we say you got cooked. Us young folk. It's a saying that us young people say. Shut up. It's, you got, you got cooked. Hey, could it, hey, are you getting cooked? Are you living your life but you don't know that you're getting cooked? You know that the church has gotten to a place where we got all these fancy lights and these beautiful drum cages and these incredible buildings, but we have no idea that we're getting cooked. And on the inside, there's, there's so much that's happening that we have no idea that the enemy has found himself, even in the church seats where we find out, even in the leadership boards of churches all over the world. I've had to do some evaluation in myself to see, am I being cooked? Because Revelation chapter 3, verse 17 it says, because you say I am rich and have become wealthy, you have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched, that you're miserable, that you're poor, blind, and that you're naked. The mystery of iniquities is a sleight of hand. You keep looking over here, but Satan is over here attacking you and you have no idea that you're boiling and that you're dying on the inside. Are you tired all the time? Even when you get sleep and you slept 10 hours and you just wake up and you're just like, me and my wife, we went on vacation. We were talking about this the other day. We went on vacation and, you know, we took some days where we didn't do nothing. I was barely saved, y'all. I mean, just nothing. But we still felt so tired. Take inventory. Do you feel like you're troubled all the time? Like it's constantly bombarding in your mind. Are you so lonely that you just feel like you got people all around you, but deep inside of you, you're just like, man, I just feel like I'm lonely. Lust is having a way with you. Lust is, I mean, absolutely killing you. You're driving and you're sitting in your car and your mind is just thinking about so many thoughts. I mean, you did everything you're supposed to do, but you're walking around the house and you walk in the living room. You're like, I got to do something. I'm, I forgot something. And you're constantly, you're in the car. You feel that. You finished an assignment. You did whatever, but you still feel like, Man, there's something that I'm, there, I'm missing. There's, and, it, and you just feel busy and you're just bombarded by things. Husbands are having thoughts of leaving their wives and they're just like, I don't know because she's, she's good. She takes care of the kids. I just don't want to be here. Wives are having dreams about men that I don't even like him. But yet I'm having sexual and I'm having all of these thoughts towards this person. And I don't even know where it's coming from. You getting cooked and you have no idea. And Satan is bombarding your mind. You're sitting there. You're having even thoughts of suicide. You were sleepy, right? You were tired. You lay down in the bed and now you're like wide awake. And then you don't even know why all of a sudden you're just bawling, crying. Why am I feeling like this? Why am I so sad? I, I don't understand. You're being cooked. And we don't understand this. We're sitting there. We don't understand that the enemy has been shooting at us. And we're just sitting there parading life. We're rich. And we've become wealthy. And we have need of nothing. And we have no idea what Satan is doing in our lives and in our families. 
and we're watching our kids and our kids are smiling and they do the little prayer when you tell them to pray in the morning, but you, have, you haven't looked at the history on their YouTube or their safari and it'll break your heart if you do. But you're being cooked. We got to get to this point where we understand this. Now that I've said this, and hopefully I encourage you and let you know what you come from. You cut from different stock. The part of Jesus has never walked in frailty or in fear or walked in weakness. The Lord Jesus Christ has always walked in power. The church has always been in authority. The church has never stepped back. So hopefully when I create this, I want you to take inventory and say, dang, this is, yo, this is, I've been in a pot and I didn't even realize it. But I want you to see something. Psalms 144 verse 1. It says, blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hand for war and my fingers for battle. Who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. My hands for war. Because here's what's happening. If it was a fight that was physical, you're tough enough. You've been tough enough. You know how to tough up. Some of y'all know I don't need a man. I don't need a woman. I don't need a boss. I don't need, I know how to make it because I had to pull myself up from my bootstrap and you know how to do it yourself. And I, I'm strong and I'm, yeah. And if it was something about, you know, something witty or something that has to do with the mind, you're too witty. You know how to explain yourself out of anything. You ain't never got a ticket because you, the, the cop don't even, I don't even know why I'm doing this type of situation. You have too much labia. That means talk in Spanish. You, you talk too good. But the thing that's trying to kill you isn't using vocal cords. It's not speaking to you. It's operating in the mystery of iniquity. It's hiding in the spiritual. Oh my God, we all got kooky, Chino. It's 2024. I want a new me, new you. You know what I mean? That type of message. Why are you doing all this? Because you're getting cooked. And God told me and showed me, hey, listen, you need to talk to them. And I'm going to have a conversation with you. But I want you to understand that although you're being cooked, God has the power to be able to rescue you from where you are. But what happens though is that this fight, it gets switched. Now all of a sudden, you can't punch nothing. You can't talk to nothing. You got to learn the weapons of warfare. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about it. I want to I show you something today. Expose some things. Turn on the lights on the enemy. The next couple of weeks, man, we're going to get into some deep stuff. And I'm going to teach you the art of spiritual warfare. I'm going to teach you how to be able to fight against the enemy. But you have to understand that your warfare and that the weapons of your warfare are not carnal. They're not tangible. Watch 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 6. It says, for the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought captive into the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. That last verse right there, when your obedience is fulfilled. So we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against things that we can see, hear, touch, feel. We're fighting of things that are in a different plane, that are playing in a different sphere. We're playing, we're fighting with things that are beyond our grasp. But the key here is that when our obedience becomes real, we start to watch the battle sway on our behalf. What does obedience mean? Here's what obedience means. Obedience means prayer. And I don't talk about, Father, thank you for waking me up this morning in Jesus' name. All the single ladies, all the single... No, no. 
I mean strategic, specific prayers where you begin to pray specifically towards things that you know are you being cooked in. Specifically. When you start grabbing this Bible and you don't just read it just because if I read a chapter today, God's going to be happy with me and I'm going to get that prayer request that I've been asking him about. But that you begin to read this Bible and you start pulling out scriptures that you can apply towards your family, towards your finances, towards your health, that you start pulling things out of these things. That's why I love when I had a conversation with Taylor. Um, Taylor has been dealing with, and I talked to her about a minute ago, she had this thing where her spinal cord, the spinal fluid has been building up in the back of her brain. And in that, it's creating pressure. Like if you're in an airplane, right? And it's just this pressure that's times 100. I mean, just so much pressure. She's been feeling a lot better when praying. You know what she told me? She said, Chino, I told her, this is God just sitting you down, woman, because you don't stop. And she's like, you know what? I've researched every single scripture on healing that I could find in the Bible. And I've been claiming these things. I've been sitting in front of the Bible for hours looking and finding these things. That's called spiritual warfare. When you don't allow for the diagnosis of a doctor to be able to confound you or to create an identity inside of you but that you come back that you say Psalm 103 you are the God that forgives me of my sins and you heal all of my diseases God that is by your stripes that I have been healed when you start to grab these things when you start to feel anxiety and you start to feel like you don't know why I'm constantly thinking about this what's the worst that can happen and you have all this anxiety building up and oh my God Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7 be not anxious for anything but in everything through prayer and supplication make your requests known unto God and the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts how you feel and your mind how you think through Christ Jesus that you will begin to grab these scriptures and that you won't use them as a key to be able to get your blessing but that you use them as a sword to be able to break the power of the enemy over your life over your finances over your children over your marriage over your soul that you start to grab this thing we're in 21 days of prayer and fasting this is how you break the enemy's back you want to talk about spiritual warfare we smack dab in the middle of it push the plate away push the social media away start getting into the word start praying specifically next Sunday I'm going to talk about I'm going to really unpack what it looks like in, in Ephesians chapter 6 because he gave us a game plan on how to spiritually attack and how to perform spiritual warfare. But this Wednesday, remember I said we have prayer Monday through Friday, 6 to 7, but on Wednesday at 7 p.m. we have our prayer gathering. I'm going to teach you five prayers. And I'm not teaching you prayers like this is what you say out of your mouth. These are called models. I'm going to show you five models that you can be able to pray. That They'll pray for your family. They'll pray for your structure, for your livelihood, for your finances. Like, I want to show you these five models. I'm not teaching you what to pray. I'm just saying this is how you can pray. These five, I believe, are going to be life-changing in your life. But we have to understand this. Be strong in the Lord, in the Lord, and in the power of His might. I didn't tell you these things or I'm not creating this tension to make you feel like, oh my God, I'm scared. Or like, man, the enemies, I feel like I'm the, I'm the crab. Chino, I, I was sitting crying this morning. I don't know why. I was driving in my car and I said, if I hit that tree, I'll be so much better. I, I, I'm dealing with these things, Chino. And that's stress. I, I mean, I'm always walking thinking I got to do something else and I, I can't get over this thing. I'm not telling you these things to build that up and to fan that flame of that hurt, that pain, that shame, that guilt. I'm not fanning the flame of that I'm trying to tell you that you can shift it that when you fight the tides begin to shift but that it has little to do with you and so much more to do with God do you remember what I just read in 2nd Thessalonians about the mystery of iniquity that it talks about him being revealed 
the second verse right after that. If you have your Bibles and maybe you're type A and you started, you kept reading. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 8 says, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. You ever want to fight with your breath? That's the God we serve. That just with his breath, with his light, he can defeat the things that are trying to defeat you. My son, uh, both of my kids, actually, they played lacrosse. And I'm from Miami. We don't even, I didn't even know how to spell lacrosse. I never, seen a, I never seen a lacrosse game in my life. Never. It's like one of those things on ESPN where you're like, oh my God. You know what I mean? But if you like lacrosse, God bless you. Um, but I was, I was uh, my kids were playing lacrosse. And when they were playing, they went undefeated. They just went undefeated the wrong way. Um, their team was just horrendous. But my kids, my son Ramses, he was like two feet bigger than everybody else. All the kids were, they were little short, little scrawny dudes. And I mean, they just, they, they were little. And Ramses was big. And I don't know anything about the sport, but I know sports. You know what I'm saying? So I remember watching and I'm like, every time one of these little kids come up with a stick to my son, my son will be like, this, and he'll, oh, and then, you know, he'll kind of turn. He'll fumble the ball and lose it. He was just like, and I said, I said, look, buddy, I don't know, any, I don't know a lot about this sport, but I saw something that caught my eye. I said, I saw that one little kid light that other kid up. And it looked like he was going to the ambulance because he got hit hard. And they didn't throw a penalty. But look how big you are, bro. You better stop running away from these boys. Turn around and fight. You better hit one of these kids. <laughs> Dad, I can't do that. I'm going to get a penalty. I said, if you do not get a penalty, you cannot come in my car. I'm going to bring you to this game. But I promise you, homie, we're going to leave you right there. Your lacrosse coach can take you home. You can't get in my car. I need one penalty from you. If you don't give me one penalty, bro, don't get in the car. Dad, I can't do that. Then you can't come with us. It's super easy. There's not a lot of science to this. It's very simple. There's no master of iniquity. None of that. This is very easy. And bro, Ramses starts playing. Whitley, he's playing the game. And all of a sudden, Lid used to say, get in front of him. Every time. That's like her thing. Get in front of him. She was like coaching them. Never played lacrosse a day in our life. And me, his nickname is Meech. So he just, I just said, Meech. And he knew he was like, and he knew. And I was like, I need one. Need one. <laughs> bro, the first time, kid playing with the thing, little kid come up, got the little ball, start doing all that twirly stuff. But Ramses hit that boy so hard, I thought he killed him. <laughs> boom. Oh, boom. The kid falls on the ground. Right, pick up the ball and keep going. They don't call no penalty. I said, he looked at him. Let me get one. I need one. He got the next kid. Bop, lit him up. This is so violent. You came to church to hear about kids hitting kids. It's amazing. Lacrosse is a violent sport, but I love it. And so it's kind of like football, baseball, tennis, hockey, everything put together. He finally hits a kid and he gets a penalty. You would never see somebody as excited when he got the penalty. They threw the penalty. The coach is like, get over here. Good job, good job, buddy, good job. <laughs> Turn around and fight. You know how 
big you are? You know how much of a God you got inside of you that with his breath he could defeat the enemy? Stop turning and running from the enemy. Stop being scared. Stop allowing for him to destroy your family, your marriage, your kids, your finances. Turn around and fight. You need to hit him. You can't come home until you hit him. You got to lay him out. You got to strengthen an authority inside of you that God has placed. But you got to lay him out. Turn around and fight. Turn around and fight. Stop letting him have his way with you. You don't have to continue to go back to pornography. Fight. You don't have to sit in your bed and cry in depression. Fight. There's things that God has placed inside of you, but you got to fight. Stop allowing for him to take things from you. Turn around and hit him. Hit him. When you get the penalty, tell him, Chino told me to do it. Blame it on me. Turn around and fight. Wednesday, I'm going to show you that in Scripture, there's, there's these models that I explained to you. And one of the models, obviously, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. And I'm going to really unpack this on Sunday. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss this. I think it's going to be something that's going to give you some practical tools. Um, but then we're going to talk about Jabez's prayer and the tabernacle prayer. Now, I, I want to really explain to you what it looks like to take time to be able to pray for your enemies. I know that sucks. But to be able to pray protection over your family as well and have spiritual warfare. Now, I, I want to show you Psalm 23. I'm going to show you, and I'm going to take an entire service to explain to you how you can pray the Bible. Because for some of us, we're reading the Bible, and sometimes it's difficult, but you can actually take the Bible, and everything that you read in the Bible, you can begin to pray these things over your life. And so your prayers don't have to be these stale moments that you get up in the morning, you're like, oh my God, I don't even know what to say. Father, thank you for waking me up. But that you can actually begin to read the scriptures, and I'm going to show you something so easy as 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Remember I read it, for the weapons of our warfare are not cardinal and mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would give me the weapons of the warfare, Lord. I know that I've tried to do it in the flesh for so long, and I've tried to fight everything that I can, and I fought them away, and I pushed that person away, and I fought for a long time, but God, I'm tired, but I know that you're mighty and that you pull down strongholds. This stronghold of addiction that has been holding me, I know that you can pull it down, and I know that you can break it. Lord, I don't have an argument for the enemy. I don't have strength for the enemy, but you cast down every argument. Every time that he tries to throw something in my brain, you're going to get divorced like you're parents did. You're going to lose the house. You're going to make the same mistakes that they did. Father, I'm casting down every single argument and everything that exalts itself. And you start to get the word of God and you start to do some spiritual damage, y'all. That's called the art of spiritual warfare. That's called the art of spiritual warfare. And we got to learn it. And I know you came in for some bubbly, mubbly, you know, first of the year, new me, new you, next week, I promise. Or maybe not next week. Next month, I'll give you something that's going to build encourage you and you're going to walk out of here. You know what I mean? But right now, feel this so deep in my heart that so many of us men are being cooked and the enemy is having his way with us turn around and fight turn around and fight for some of us the idea of turning around and fighting there's so much more it's deeper and it's profound because that turning around I was heading one way and I'm going to turn back around and I'm going to face this thing right some of us, this little area right here of turning around, that's called repentance. And that means that there's sin in your life. There's things in your life that you've been doing that you need to let it go and you need to repent of and you need to turn back to God. 
Here's what that looks like. That's called salvation, right? So that's how you begin that step. The turnaround, it's salvation. Then God gives you the, uh, the, the, way, the wherewithal, how to do it, because the spirit begins to live inside of you. You could choose to sin if you want to. You could choose to go whichever way you want to. But inside of you, the spirit of God is teaching you, this is the way that you're supposed to go. Walk towards me. But this beginning step right here, this right here, Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's called prayer, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that's called faith, then you shall be saved. So if you believe and pray, you can make this turnaround to salvation. Super easy. You don't do nothing. You don't have to pay your tithes to receive that. You don't have to give in the Christmas offering. You don't have to serve on team or go to next steps. All you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. At that point, you're saved. Then the process comes where you got to learn how to fight and you got to get some grit and some determination. When she calls you, you do it with the flip phone. Somebody had a flip phone the other day. Just, I'm turn off the flip phone. I'm going to erase a phone number. Then you get the courage and the strength to be able to say, I'm going to unfollow this. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Then you get the strength and the determination, but it starts with having the power, the Lord, in the Lord, and the power of his might. You're only strong when he's living inside of you. If you try to do it on your own, bro, you've tried it already. You're just going to be in a circle where you're not going to be able to get out of this thing. Would you do me a favor and would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. And we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors 